This episode of the Cloud Accounting Podcast is sponsored by TeamPay. Wouldn't it be great if you had a way to automatically enforce spend policies and gain full transparency into requests for funds, all the way to reconciliation? And what if you could do that while empowering your employees to buy what they need when they need it? TeamPay gives total control and real-time visibility into spending. TeamPay's distributed spend management platform automates the purchasing workflow and gives you proactive controls and real-time visibility over company spend. And TeamPay also empowers your employees with a user-friendly purchasing experience. When employees make a request, TeamPay automatically enforces policies, issues intelligent payments, and automatically sends the transaction data to your accounting system pre-coded. To learn more about how TeamPay modernizes how you manage spending, head over to cloudaccountingpodcast.promo slash TeamPay. That is cloudaccountingpodcast.promo forward slash T-E-A-M-P-A-Y. Being willing to change and kind of look at things differently is going to be really important to be able to embrace that kind of technology. Welcome to the Cloud Accounting Podcast. I'm Blake Oliver. I'm David Leary. And I'm Laura Weiler, VP of Finance and Business Operations from Sage Intact. Awesome. Thanks so much for joining us here live at Intact Advantage Glad in to be here. Las Vegas. Yeah. So I understand that as VP of Finance, you are in charge of the whole finance operation for Sage Intact. Is that right? Like well, that? You're an accountant first. I'm an accountant first. Yeah. But I, I quickly kind of moved into the world of finance where we could have a little more impact on kind of the overall um, business as a whole. Um, so you started like the CPA route? I, I didn't actually. Oh. I, um, I came straight out of, of school into a very small startup software company in the Portland area. Um, got to wear a lot of different hats, not just accounting, um, but decided after about seven years that I was going to go get my CPA. And so I did so. Um, most of my uh, work was around technical accounting, those types of things. But Got it. So straight into yeah. industry. Straight into industry. Specifically the software industry. Indeed. Yeah. And how long have you been with Intact? Six years. Six years, awesome. In January, yeah. So I guess as the VP of Finance for Intact, you are on Intact, I imagine. We are, actually. <laughs> um, prior to Intact, I was at a company, and um, similar SaaS-based company, and we implemented Intact. So I actually chose the product there. Is that um, what led you It here? is. Oh, it okay. is. I just, you know, I got a good sense for the culture. Um, There's a real customer focus, and I felt that and saw it as we went through our implementation. We were pretty complex as um, implementations go, and uh, saw a huge difference and just really wanted to be part of the company. So when I was ready to look for another opportunity, I reached out and just so happens they were kind of at the point where they needed somebody to come in and help them transform because they were pretty small when I when I started. And so yeah, I got to actually re-implement Intact's use of their own product. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Do, do you, now that was something I've noticed over the last five years in particular is the growth of this app ecosystem yeah. around the Intact GL and product and all that. Yeah. Do you get to experiment, you know, For with sure. anything you want? Like, For how do you how do you approach that? So, at, the, at my prior company, we I think we had six different applications. It was one of the reasons I chose Intact because there were certain tools that were just better than others, right? Yeah. And having the ability to pick what worked for us was really important to me. Um, at Intact, we do have the same ability to do that, and we do. I think we've got more than seven um, different kind of applications that we use across the business. And um, we're encouraged to do what's going to help us grow. And it's, it's cool that you get to eat your own dog food. 
Indeed. and use the products you actually use because <laughs> there's no way other companies are using their software. Somebody a few years back asked Zero's CEO then, uh-huh. Rod Drury, like, so uh, are you using Zero for your accounting? Which is kind of a, uh, you know, a non-accountant would ask that a question, yeah. right? But like, obviously you can't. It doesn't scale to a global business. Right, right. But you guys can, which is cool. So you're saying Intuit's not running on QuickBooks? Yeah. I, <laughs> they're actually, in, in, Intuit is running on a single instance of QuickBooks desktop on the CFO's laptop. <laughs> Uh, oh my goodness. <laughs> no, it's not. It can't be. I have a question, right? So just me being somebody who's not truly worked in accounting. I've been in the accounting industry, but now I've worked in What's the difference between the accounting department and finance department? So typically, and this is what we'd like to change, but typically the accounting department looks at the past, right? So tell you what happened. And the finance department tells you what's going to happen, if that's the simplistic way I look at it. Um, we want to kind of change that, and that's part of, partly why we do what we do, and make sure that um, our accountants, are, we have really talented people on our accounting team, that they can use their time um, and their talents towards helping the business instead of just reporting on the past. Yeah, one of the things that was said at the keynote yeah. today that really stuck in my head was this concept of eliminating the, the month and close. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's a bold statement. I I know how bold that is as a CPA who has done the financial close. Kind of like, yeah, a lot there. Yeah, no, and and honestly, some of the things that they were showing, I've told you, you know, we we actually haven't had our hands in yet, so I'm really anxious to see that. But uh, anything we can do to take the kind of repetitive um, things out of the close, um, we try to do. So one of the other concepts in the keynote this morning was CFO 3.0. And mm-hmm. that's not something new. I think that's something that Intact has been uh, uh, talking about for a while. Yeah. Um, but this idea that, and it ties into what we were just talking about, that accountants need to go from talking about what happened to why it happened, mm-hmm. right? And that's sort of where we're at now. And the, the, what Intact is building now is uh, helping accountants talk about what will happen and how we can make it happen, yeah. right? Yeah. So um, I guess in the context of your role, how do you approach those questions? <laughs> That's a big question. Yeah. Yeah. So I think, well, I mean, a lot of what I've said, right? So trying to use technology to its fullest, of course. Yeah. Um, trying to equip and build the team that we need that can actually do some of these things. Yeah. Um, I spent a lot of time actually building the team that we have and making sure we have the right people in the right place. Um, being willing to think about what could happen or what's possible. I think as accountants and finance professionals, we tend to be pretty skeptical about things like we saw this morning. Um, you know, how is this going to really work? Right. Um, and which, i got to be honest, that's that's what goes through my head, yeah, too. It's our nature, right? It is. Yeah. And I think just having kind of being willing to change and kind of look at things differently is going to be really important to be able to embrace that kind of technology. I think the thing that stood out for me is this. Uh, CEOs have traditionally came from either somebody in the sales department or in the marketing department, right? But now, because of where the CFO role is changing, the CFO might be the only person with a 360 view of the company, and now that lends itself to more C- CFOs yeah. now becoming CEOs. And I thought that was a really interesting um, thought process. Yeah. I, I agree. And seeing that happen in reality at Sage is pretty phenomenal. Yeah. Um, yeah. So it's just a slide, like Sage implemented that themselves. Yeah. Or they, that's they the did. path. Yeah, that's, that's cool because then there's that path now of, you know, I can go and, and major in accounting and become a CPA and then maybe someday become a CFO and then maybe even someday be running that organization as the CEO. Like there's yeah. that, that path exists for us. For sure. Whereas maybe in the past it was more of a, you go into accounting, this is what you're doing for the rest of your life. 
kind of situation. That sounds kind of depressing. <laughs> a lot of things. Have, yeah. Sorry. I didn't no, mean to take it to be, that dark no, place. No, it's okay. No, but you're right. I think it's, it's you know, people go into a counter and I ask people this. Why did you, in fact, in interviews, why did you, why did you choose this? Um, yeah. And some of the best answers are really that, you know, I, I actually want to understand how the business really runs. And this is where you get that full view. And so it's just natural that you're going to, you know, look to people like that as they raise their visibility in the company. So I'm a CPA and maybe I'm in public accounting, mm-hmm. maybe I'm working in industry, but I have aspirations. I have dreams of getting that CFO spot or that VP finance, whatever you call it, right? Running the team. Yep. What tips do you have for getting there? So for me personally, um, I spent a lot of time just building relationships with people um, in a business. And that gave me a, a huge opportunity to do a lot of different things. So each company that I've worked at, I may, I may have started in a particular role. Um, but I had a lot of opportunity to move around and learn different parts of the business. And I think that that for me is what set me up to be able to lead teams, more operational teams in businesses. So just getting multiple disciplines at the organization for underneath sure. your belt. For sure. And I think you 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 show your value when you when you do that because you're thinking kind of holistically about the business. Um, I mean, I think that's that's the biggest thing for me is just being able to do multiple things in, in the companies you're at and taking the opportunities that they present themselves. This episode of the Cloud Accounting Podcast is sponsored by Bill.com. As a listener, you've probably heard Blake and I speak about Bill.com on numerous occasions. It feels like they're discussed monthly in either new news or new announcements. But I'm betting there are some things you don't know about Bill.com. Did you know customers use Bill.com platform to process over $70 billion in payments for the 2019 fiscal year? That they partner with several of the largest U.S. financial institutions like Bank of America, PNC, and Chase? More than 70 of the top 100 U.S. accounting firms use Bill.com. Bill.com not only connects to all the popular accounting software providers, they also connect to many of your favorite apps as well. To learn more about how Bill.com's AI-enabled financial software platform creates connections between businesses and helps manage cash inflows and outflows, head over to cloudaccountingpodcast.promo slash bill. That is cloudaccountingpodcast.promo forward slash B-I-L-L. And then what is your role, like, when you do get to that level where you're the CFO type level, like, what is your role as far as, like, um... Uh, mentoring uh, younger accounts that are coming up, uh, is that really your responsibility or is it just kind of as the leader of the organization or do you just kind of leave that people's development up to themselves? Not at all. So that's actually one of my um, passions is really helping people figure out how they can you know, get better and learn more and just be more impactful to the organization. Um, this year, actually, formally started mentoring people within Sage. They've got a program around doing that, which has been really rewarding. In fact, I've probably learned more than um, more than <laughs> I've uh, taught. But I think it's important to show that you kind of care about your employees and you care about their success. And um, you know, for us, our employees are our biggest asset. If we don't um, help them grow and feel like they're learning and and contributing, they're not going to stay. So um, that's a big focus for me. Employees are our biggest asset, and yet we don't show them on the balance sheet, right? Yeah, I guess not. <laughs> I just read an article in the Harvard. We were going to talk about this on the show, but we didn't have time on the Harvard Business Review about just that, like, um, not to get too nerdy here with Gap and everything, but, like, you know, the idea that in many companies now, it's not the machinery that's the most 
uh, valuable asset. It's the staff and the employees. And we have no way of, of showing uh, investment in our staff. Like it all gets expensed in the current period, not not capitalized. I don't know. Not to put you on the spot or anything, but do you have any like opinions about like that, like big picture? <laughs> the should should we be capitalizing our, our people? Yeah. <laughs> well, or like uh, I maybe mean, it's our an chain. asset. If, you, if you're in the no, like we're in a knowledge economy, right? Your yeah. people are your biggest yeah. asset. Or like yeah, um, research and development expense, for instance. Uh, that all gets expense, right? Most of it, generally, generally in the current period. And uh, and and yet, so like you know, you've got these biotech companies that are doing all this uh, research, and it's not showing up on the balance sheet, right? It's yeah. just it's just expense, and it like distorts everything. I don't know. I I can see the point you're making very clearly, um, but I I tend to I tend to feel like those types of things are more I don't know. They're a little bit just part of business and part of part of building a good company. Mm-hmm. Putting it on, on the balance sheet, trying to I can't even imagine. I'm starting to think about all the you know, our retention <laughs> rates going headache, into our headache. yeah, how are we gonna No. <laughs> I don't even want to get that complicated. It's hard enough to just release accounting. No. Oh yeah, right. No, no. Right. So David mentioned mentoring. One of the other topics that we cover occasionally on our show is the gender gap in accounting. It's terrible. It's like what, in a lot of at least in public accounting, it's like less than 20% of partners are women. Uh, I don't know what it's like in industry in terms of uh, women in leadership positions, but I imagine it's also kind of still a problem. Like, what are your thoughts on that? And like, I understand that you're you're doing some stuff to to work on that and to to empower women. And yeah, so I actually looked into uh, we look at this at our company and spent some time just in preparation for for the show and kind of the focus that we're having on that uh, tomorrow. But Surprisingly, um, at Sage Intact, and maybe it's not so surprisingly, based on the culture that we have, um, over 40% of our leadership roles are filled by women. And I, um, I feel it when we when we make decisions, when we're working together. I mean, it's a, it's just one of those things where there's a lot of different viewpoints um, and backgrounds, and all of that, you know, is obviously going to help you make the right decision and hopefully um, um, turn into opportunity for your company. I mean, there's studies out there that have shown that. As far as kind of the broader industry, I think it's really more about the education. I mean, women are women are more educated than they've ever been, um, and yet when you look broadly, um, leadership roles they're just not. It's not keeping the same pace, and I think that's a problem. Part of it is just being deliberate about it, um, really making sure you understand that you're hiring women or just people of different backgrounds, right? Right. And I think um, for us, you know, in our in our company, I tell you over, you know, about forty percent. But when you look at the technical roles, um, it's not the same. So especially in engineering, right? We've got very few women in leadership. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we do have a leader who's a woman, but broadly, it's it's not. And that's something we have to change and really focus on. And I think just being aware of it is that first step, right? Agreed. Acknowledging it is something that the company needs to do. Agreed. There was actually just a story all over the news. This is an article in CNBC about uh, how firms with a female CEO <laughs> have a better <laughs> stock that. price performance, new research says. And I think CFO also, like... No. If, businesses, like if you just started a hedge fund that only bet on women-led businesses, you'd actually be beating the market. Yeah. Yeah, no. (laughs) Why is that? I'm not surprised. Well, honestly, I think that just, like I said, diversity of thought and having women and other people with different backgrounds in a conversation is just going to, it's going to improve the conversation and improve the answer you get. I really believe that. I, I don't know that it's more complicated than that. And there are plenty of smart people out there. I also think that having a diverse organization is one thing. But if you don't have a culture that's really open and transparent and allows people to kind of speak their mind, then 
you can be as diverse as you want. No one's going to speak up, and you're not going to get there either. Yeah, we had Tamia on an interview. Jenna, 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 a few episodes back, she talked about she really brought diversity to a different perspective. Like until people are just comfortable being themselves in a room with their coworkers, it doesn't matter. People can't be. Everybody just likes to assimilate in. And they don't, if they can't be them true selves, you can't have diversity. It's a good point. And it's partly why we didn't focus on thinking, about, at least not me personally, looking into, well, what, what are, how do we look? Um, because it feels very open and everyone is speaking their mind and, and we all um, kind of make collective decisions that way. So it's good to see. Is there any one piece of advice you give to a young female accounting student? So as women, I think we tend to, and I think Michelle Obama said this, but you suffer from kind of imposter syndrome. You really feel like unless you know everything, you know, very thoroughly, you're afraid to sort of step out and and make yourself vulnerable. I think it's really important, um, you know, to just be confident and and know that you're you have strength and and your voice kind of matters, and just get out there and don't be afraid. Honestly, great advice. I like that. So, how do we get a hold of you, Laura, outside of the podcast? Like, how would people track you down on social media? I'm et on LinkedIn. On LinkedIn. Yeah, okay. so you can always reach me there. All right. Wonderful. Okay. Well, thanks so much for your time today Thank and you. Uh, really appreciate having you on the show. All right. Thanks, guys.